What's up, everybody? This is Be More Well Backstage Pass, and today I'm going to be joined by author Stephen Rowley. Thank you so much for hanging out. Hey, everyone. I am Jeff St. Pierre, and welcome to Be More Well Backstage Pass. Thank you for sharing some of your day with me. I really do appreciate that. Uh, As you may know, I've been producing my wellness-focused podcast, Be More Well, for over a year now, and I realized that while I love discussing and learning more about those topics, I felt like I was missing out on some great conversations with other people that maybe don't fall in the wellness field. So that's what Backstage Pass is all about, sitting down to chat with artists and authors who inspire me and who have great stories to tell. Up to this point, Backstage Pass has featured all musicians, but I don't want to limit it to that, so I want to bring in people from other areas, and that's what I'm doing today. I got a friend uh, that my wife and I lovingly call the gunkle to our daughter. Have you ever heard that term before, gunkle? Uh, Well, it's short for gay uncle. Get it, gunkle? Uh, Well, imagine my surprise when an author that I really enjoy decided to release a novel with the same title. Stephen Rowley's Gunkle is the perfect book for the summer. It's funny, it's heartwarming, and just entertaining as hell. And it turns out that Stephen actually knows my gunkle. It's really a small world out there. Uh, Before we jump into the conversation with Stephen, don't forget to subscribe to Be More Well so you can get updated on all future episodes. And please leave a rating and review if you don't mind. Also, I'm on social media if you want to connect. The show is at Be More Well Podcast, and I'm at St. Pierre on Air. Uh, Also, uh, Stephen, if you do happen to listen to this, I apologize for pronouncing your last name wrong in the interview. I know it is Stephen Rowley. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) I am doing good. I guess it's an earlier morning for you, though, probably out west. Uh, yeah, it is. We've passed seven o'clock, so it seems like a human, uh, human hour now. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. every day for my day job of doing morning radio. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will say on the days when I can sleep in, like even just getting to five feels like a completely different situation <laughs> for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Steven, I want to get this out of the way right off the top here, because one of the things that attracted me to your book, uh, Gunkle, is that my wife and I joke that our new daughter has a gunkle. And as I was telling the story to somebody, I realized, you know, our gunkle and our gunkle is Roswell from the Library of Congress. I do. I do know your gunkle. Yeah, that's absolutely true. In fact, he's been here to visit me here in uh, Palm Springs several times. Yeah. I was asking him for some dirt on you and he was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. So you've got a good friend in Roswell. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Librarians, they're trustworthy people, I tell you. But they, they're they also so fun. Libra- you know, Don't let anyone fool you. The, the old image of the woman with the hair and her mm-hmm. bun and the glasses on chains is not true. Librarians know how to party. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I met Roswell when he was working in Baltimore with the Baltimore City Free Library System, the Pratt Free Library System. And that was kind of, I mean, it's probably 10, 12 years ago, but that was kind of when my eyes were open to the fact that libraries were a completely different entity now than they were when I was a kid and I was going there all the time, you know, whether doing research or just trying to get books as a kid. I I had taken so many years off. I had no idea the amazing wonders that was the library. Yeah. So many community services and whatnot. So, you know, the hard parts about this last year is like libraries being closed to the public, too, because they, they offer so many services beyond just just book lending. Yeah. I don't know what it was like where you are, um, but a lot of the library systems here boosted their Wi-Fi. So it would go out to their parking lot. So people were coming into the parking lots with their cars, locking into the free Wi-Fi and, you know, applying for jobs or doing whatever they can yeah. do from yep. the parking lot. And it's like, what an amazing idea. That's so great. 
Well, Stephen, uh, I love your story and I love everything about you. Uh, congratulations on the wedding, by the way, which was just recently, right? Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, what a, what a year. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was, I got married in, in, uh, just last month. God, that doesn't seem possible. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my partner now husband's, uh, debut novel, a star is bored came out last summer, last July. And, uh, while I thought I had read it cover to cover, um, the final hard copy editions landed on our doorstep with four additional words at the back of the acknowledgments, which were, will you marry me? And so for anyone who had read his book and were sort of wondering what, what happened, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert, it, it, it worked out, but, uh, th there's a response to his proposal in the acknowledgments for the Gunkle. So you can sort of follow up on this, uh, sort of epistolary romance, uh, <laughs> by reading the acknowledgments. I love that you guys are doing this in your books and not just like a special version of the book just for you. You know, like he put that in every hardcover copy of the book. That, that was my out. first question when I read that. Is this in all the copies? And in fact, you know, and now, you know, speaking of Roswell, you know, now this this proposal and the and the acceptance of the proposal are now will be documented in the Library of Congress for all time now. So. It's such a cool thing and definitely an awesome memory as you guys grow old together and, you know, continue to do your life together. Together. It's just such a, a great way to start off the next step of the partnership, I think. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, it was a, a bit larger, larger than life. But, um, you know, for two people who have been quarantining together at home for the for the past year, and he had gone through a, a cancer fight during during our time at COVID. And, and I'm, you know, very happy to report that he's in excellent health uh, now. But we had been extra, extra isolated um, to keep him safe while he went through chemotherapy. And um, so to find some some very larger than life romance still when our lives are sort of very, very sort of felt very sheltered in this past year was was a really remarkable uh, experience. I want to dive into the book here in a second, but what what is Palm Springs like to live in? Like I've always viewed Palm Springs as one of those places that people go to visit, but you live yeah. there. What, what is it like as a community to be a permanent resident in? I, I do live here. And, and to be honest, I, I'm not sure I'm the best one to answer your question. We moved here uh, in November 2019, um, which is sort of right before the, the pandemic. What I thought Palm Springs life would be like, which was, you know, we came from Los Angeles. So I thought we would be back and forth for meetings all the time and uh, that we'd have friends out every weekend. And certainly over the you know last 15 months, that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, and so I'm thrilled to be at a spot now with vaccines and whatnot that we can explore the community a little bit and and make some some local friendships and and uh, you know we, we went out to dinner for the first time after our our wedding the first time in a restaurant in in a long long time and and uh, you know my mother has asked me wait there's still restaurants that you haven't been to and I was like yes we haven't been to a lot because our time here has been so. So, you know, not not the normal uh, existence. So anyway, I'm, I'm very excited to to start to feel like a, a resident of Palm Springs and not just, a, you know, a um, a prisoner in Palm Springs. <laughs> and, and that's a, a big difference from where you grew up, too, because you grew up in the Northeast. You grew up in Maine. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. a really big shift to go from, I guess, the, the top right hand corner of the map all the way down to the bottom left hand to, corner to of the, the map. bottom left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the arrogance of youth, right? Uh, you know, I, I got to get out of here. There's something else waiting for me out there. And so, you know, I, I, I used to joke, I would have kept on driving, but there was an ocean, uh, you know, and I had, I had ended up in, in Los Angeles for many years before, before coming to Palm Springs. But, 
Um, it is absolutely a different way of life. My family's back on the East Coast. I, you know, I miss them much, particularly this past this past year. I, I don't think it's necessarily for everyone, but I was never into I was never into winter. So I, there's part of me that still still feels like I'm thawing. So when it's 105 degrees outside, I, I you know, I I'm okay with it. I'm okay with. It. I still have a few main winters to shake off. I do. Uh, I do understand what you said. The you know about you know being younger and just saying, "Guy, get out of here." I grew up in New Hampshire, and I didn't go quite mm-hmm. as far as you, but I started working my way south, and now I'm in Baltimore. Um, but at the second I turned 18, it was like, "See ya." I'm gone. I'm going to yeah. go somewhere else. I'm going to do school somewhere else. I'm going to start my life somewhere else. And it is interesting. I look back on it now and I'm like, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought. Like there's a lot of really cool things up there that maybe I didn't experience enough because I was so young. So I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, and it's a combination of we've grown up and also, also the Northeast has, has grown up, you know, particularly Portland, Maine, the city where I'm from, you know, is packed with these incredible restaurants and theater and art scene and stuff now that, that wasn't, um, you know, quite there when I left in the early nineties. Um, so, you know, we, we've both done some, some growing up. And so now I think a, a, an absolutely perfect life to me would be, you know, 10 months in Palm Springs and then July and August in, in Maine. And then, uh, then I get the best of, I get the best of both worlds. I think my grandparents did something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 it should be, you know, I, I just had my 50th birthday. I'm not, you know, I shouldn't be so focused on retirement and I'm not going to retire when I not meaning not work. Cause as long as I'm able to write, I, I love doing it. It is, it is what, you know, keeps me going. But, um, but I do, there's something about, like, I like to live like a retiree. I don't know where that comes from, but, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. I probably need some therapy. You've got a humidifier in the house. You've got a big, you know, yeah. <laughs> a big sweater you wear everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Stephen, exactly. tell me, tell us about the Gunkle. I always like authors to tell a little synopsis better than I will. So, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about what the Gunkle's all about? Absolutely. And I suppose that we should start, you know, for anyone who may not be familiar with the term Gunkle, um, it has become very popular slang in the past five, 10 years for a gay uncle. And that is usually someone who is um, uh, a little bit larger than life, perhaps a little mysterious, uh, who uh, could fly home and visit from a big city, who often don't have kids of their own. So they're able to dote on nieces and nephews um, a little more extravagantly. Um, I myself am the Gunkle to five. I have three nephews and two and two nieces. So, um, and I've also long had a fascination with um, uh, Auntie Mame, say, or other magical caregiver stories, Mary Poppins or or Maria from The Sound of Music, or so there are the, these these big caretakers that can blow in, uh, you know, on the you know on the wind as Mary Poppins did, and then and then. Um, exact a little bit of magical wisdom and and uh, and move on when they're when the healing is done and so you know I, I was interested in writing sort of a modern take on one of those stories and and indeed Patrick O'Hara is a retired television star living in Palm Springs where did I get that idea and uh, has sort of shut himself off from the world when he is tasked with taking in his niece and nephew for the summer after a family tragedy and their time together, uh, sort of brings about a he- season of healing for all three. 
It's a really great idea for a story. And I wonder, I mean, you mentioned Palm Springs and you mentioned that you are a gunkle to some of your family members as well. How much of this story comes from personal experience? Because I know your novel, Lily and the Octopus, was, you know, kind of loosely autobiographical or, or moments that you lived yeah. in life. And then the editor was, you know, loosely autobiographical as a response to what happened to you after Lily and the Octopus. So how much of mm -hmm. this involves your personal life? Yeah, there's always a little bit of me uh, in, in these books, uh, and indeed, there 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 are things that I have in common with with Patrick. You know, I do live in Palm Springs. Um, he's sort of deeply grieving his own loss, uh, the loss of his partner years before, and has has shut himself off from the world. Um, believe it or not, I was actually sort of deep in writing this before COVID, so it's not not really in that uh, that isolation, uh, emotional isolation, is not in response to what we've been through. Uh, but we do share a sense of humor, I think, and uh, and an outlook on the world, even though he's uh, you know he's in a darker place in his life than than I am in mine. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a kernel for this story uh, came from when, when my brother came to visit in Palm Springs with his two young kids, um, ages three and five, my nephews, and was immediately called back to work in Boston as a, as a trial attorney and uh, had to leave me for the week uh, after only a day with, uh, with his young nephews. And, uh, and I, had, I had help that week, uh, but still, I, you know, I sort of had to rise to the, to the position of, of more primary caretaker and, and do some sort of tap dancing and quick, quick entertaining of young, of young boys who were disappointed. Um, there's there's much more of a family tragedy at the at the heart of of this book, the sort of the inciting uh, incident, but but uh, feeling unprepared for for uh, be, you know being a caretaker is you know certainly something I I felt on a smaller scale that week. It's funny. I just became a dad about six months ago, and uh, my uh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, pandemic baby, that was an interesting experience. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Again, though, let me see if my math is right. Then you probably you didn't plan it that way. No, uh, not necessarily. You know, my my wife and I. We long story short, we ultimately decided. You know, we were going to try to have a kid, but we didn't want to do any of the medical procedures around it. And, mm -hmm. and more power to folks that want to do that. It was just a personal choice for us. Uh, and we just said, we're going to give it a year. We'll just throw caution to the wind, give it a year and see what happens. And it was like, first try. <laughs> ah. So it was a very a nice blessing, but we were not expecting it. And we, you know, this, this technically happened before the pandemic even started. I mean, it was definitely a crazy ride. Um, but yeah. my brother is here visiting right now for the first time, meeting his niece for the first time, uh, just because nobody can travel and he doesn't live near me. And, and it's, right. it's right. funny because he's the uncle, but it's his first real experience with the baby. So he's so excited to meet her. But at the same time, he's like, you're not going to leave me with her, right? Like you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, an infant is, a, is another story entirely. But sometimes there's strength in that unpreparedness. You know, certainly in this book, Patrick treats uh, his young niece and nephew like a, uh, you know, he talks to them like adults. And, and um, while there's great comedy that can come from that. There's also um, a strength of that, especially kids who, you know, these two kids have lost their mother at the outset of the book. And having someone treat them seriously and treat their grief seriously, um, you know, and talk to them in a way that they're not used to being talked to, but so craving 
um, someone to sort of see them and see their pain and really um, help them address it. You know, the, the, there's surprising strengths that come from unpreparedness sometimes too. I love that you worked that into the book, that attitude of adults talking to children like adults, you know, not necessarily dumbing everything down for them. I think that's a trap that adults fall into and kids can take on a lot more than we think. And, and they, they, like yeah. you said, they crave it. They want to be spoken to as an adult. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I recognize that, um, you know, just in my own interactions with my, my nieces and nephews, but, uh, you know, it's finding that, that balance of heart and, and humor that I think really gives the book its voice. And, and, you know, it was great fun to write, write the humor. And I do think this is outright on one of my funniest books, um, to date, but it does take grief seriously. And it is a, an exploration of grief, as well, and um, so I, I think to to find that humor, you really have to you really have to know the characters as well, and so and, and, and because you hope, well, one, you know, it's funny to write a joke and think like, oh, this is great, I can't wait for people to hear it, and then realize that because of how long it takes to write a book and get it published, it could be three years before you know before you hear laughter from that from that punchline, and uh, and because you hope your book has a long shelf life too, you don't want jokes that feel topical or. Um, you know, feel dated in any way by the time, you know, someone picks up the book five, 10 years down, down the line. Um, so really having situation that comes from character is, um, is essential. And, and at the, at the heart of that is how they relate to each other and, and, and talk to one another. That would be a challenge for me. The idea that you could have an idea and you could start writing something, but then you have, you know, like you just said, maybe three years before it gets published to think about yeah. it and just go over it and over it and over it. <laughs> yeah, it's an endless process. And, and the, you know, the, the cruel part of this is that you become a much better writer th through the process of each book. So when I finish, you know, now that this book is coming out, I've, I've written most of, an, uh, you know, another book future project. And I, and of course now there are things like, uh, Oh, I wish I could go back. And, you know, the, the, the writer that I am today is, is looking at the, you know, who I was three years ago, but you have to just make peace mm -hmm. with that, uh, a certain point and, and, and think of something as done. Otherwise you will, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy. I narrated the audio book for this, for the Gunkel, which is the first time I've ever done that. And so it was interesting looking at the book uh, as a performer and being like, who wrote this garbage? You know, because uh, there'd be a particularly like alliterative turn of phrase or some mouthful that was, you know, that felt like gobbledygook as a, as a reader, you know, a try, as someone trying to read it out loud. Uh, so, so the performer in me also had some notes for the writer and I'm sure when I listen to it, the writer in me will have some notes for the performer as well. <laughs> what was that like to take on, to take on that challenge? I, I don't know much about your background. Maybe you did, uh, act at some point, but what was that like to, to switch roles and jump into the sort of performance aspect? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because as you know, because of the length of time it takes to write a book, it lives, um, singularly in your mind, a very, you know, I hear it a very specific way and, and no other way, uh, you know, and until you put it out there and you have to have trust in, in readers, you know, I can't tell them how to deliver a line or, or, you know, read something in their head. I have no control over that. Um, so, uh, but it is always interesting to hear, to listen to audiobooks and, um, the actor Michael Yuri has narrated my first two and, and fantastic. But if he goes up on a line where I hear in my head, it goes down. It's, it's, you know, it's always jarring, but of course 
that's his job. You know, he should bring a performance to it. He should bring an interpretation to it. Um, so it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, the whole thing was a very interesting uh, process. I enjoyed it, uh, and we'll we'll see if it ever if it ever happens again. But because I think Patrick and I have a similar personality uh, wise that it that this is a project that kind of made sense for. I, I don't know that I'll always be the best narrator for. For my work, but you know, we'll see. I'm trying to get back into audiobooks. I, I first tried it a few years back and I failed miserably. And it's my own fault because the first audiobook I tried to listen to was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> and because it's just, and the way you laugh means you know the story, but there's just so many different characters and planets and universes. I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. I was like, wait, where am I? Yeah. And it's hard to flip back. If you, if you miss something, if you spaced out for a second, you know, like when you're reading a, a print book, you can just flip the pages back and be like, wait a minute, I got to, but it, you know that's that's harder to do. Um, conversely, there's really wonderful things happening in audiobook per, uh, production. Multiple narrators sometimes, much more performance, and so so sometimes for a title like that, um, you know, it can really help bring something uh, to life in a way that might feel drier on the page. Yeah, that that particular one was voiced by the actor Martin Freeman, I think is his name, uh, British mm -hmm. actor. Yeah. He did a great job trying yeah. to bring a personality to each thing, but it's still his voice. So ultimately, like you kind of yeah. get lost sometimes. Like, wait a second, which per anyway. Uh, but I was actually talking to Roswell about it because Roswell reads books so much faster than I do, and I know that that's part of his job. He's an avid book reader, and I'm painfully slow at reading. But he said half the time he's reading the book, but also listening to the audio book, and it helps him. You know, take it all oh, in and back move and a little bit yeah. faster. Yeah, so that's what I want to try. That's yeah, that's fascinating. I'm a slow reader too, mostly because I'm all I'm always looking at the craft of it as well. You know, like I'm you know obviously I I have the ability to get lost in a story, but oftentimes I'll come across a sentence or I think it's so beautifully constructed and I'll sit with it for a moment. So so I'm a I can be a slow reader. Um, I you know people have told me in the past, oh, I, I, I read your book in one day or in one sitting. And, and you know, they're so excited that, you know, it's a way of expressing their love for, uh, for a book. And, uh, you know, and it is a, a very high compliment. But at the same time, I think it took me three years to write this and you read it in one afternoon. Are you kidding? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, when's the next one? I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> You're consuming it too role, fast. Yes. Slow your role. Yeah. I feel that way about music now because people are pumping out music on streaming services so fast. And I just feel like sometimes it kind of becomes disposable then because it's just coming out like you don't have the anticipation of the full album the same way you used right. to. You know, you're just like, oh, here's a yeah. single. Here's a single. Where's more? Keep yeah. keep it coming. Uh, I, I, I am going to share something with you, though, that I wasn't sure I was going to until you just started talking about that. I uh, my <laughs> My dirty secret is I haven't actually read the book yet. And, and I'll tell you why, because I, I, I feel bad not doing that. I almost always at least read most of a book before I speak with the author. But I had family coming into town and just crazy. I didn't want to sit down and feel like I rushed through it. Uh, so right. I was saving it because I have vacation coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I'm saving it for that vacation where I can sit down and really just dive into it and enjoy the book. And I, I, I knew, based on your other work, that I was going to enjoy it. And I didn't want to force my way through it just for this interview. So I'm sorry yeah. that I haven't read the book yet. Oh no, that, and by the way, we could just be friends. We, we can have a <laughs> pact of non-aggression. Like you, you don't have to read. I, you know, like, well, let's get people to buy it. Let's encourage people well, to buy sure. it. But you know, what, what happens from there is, uh, yeah, is a very individual choice. <laughs> I mean, you're getting a ton of praise for it. So, I mean, from the aspect of getting people to buy it, I mean, I've seen Oprah talked about, or I don't know if it was Oprah, but her book club talked about it. Good morning, America. Yeah. I think people was talking, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. 
It's, it's, you know, I, and that's a, a, a piece of it that you don't have any control over, um, the sort of reception to it. I've been very lucky uh, in my career. And there is something about this book um, uh, that, that people seem to, be, seem to be responding to. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for it. I think we all are in need of a laugh right now. And so it helps coming out with a at least partially comedic novel at this time. I think the fact that it's about characters learning to find their way out of an out of a self-imposed isolation um, meets the moment in a way that you can't plan for. So so sometimes it's just a little bit of you know kismet, a little bit of magic that happens um, that that you as the author have have no control over. But I, I'm deeply grateful to the extent that it is resonating with people right now. That that means a lot to me. And, and the Gunkel is being called a beach read by a lot of people. And I hope that you don't see that and think of that as an insult, you know, because I hope that you see that and say, it's a really enjoyable book that someone will have a great time with on the beach, you know? Yeah, I I don't know what the what the opposite of that is. I, you know, like dusty <laughs> church read, you know, like I, of course I want it to be fun. You know, I want, I want people to enjoy it. I want people to take it with them and, um, you know, the book has a very fun cover. It feels very summery. It takes place over the summer in Palm Springs. So there's a, there's an, a, you know, oppressive heat, sunshine. Yeah, you got your copy. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that uh, is unrelenting, uh, you know, sort of that, that heat. And so that, ha you know, the book has that feel already. So absolutely take it to the beach. I, I don't find that to be a reductive term. There, there are things, you know, I, I know I have, um, you know, f female friends who, who bristle against terms like women's fiction or something. And I think sometimes like that can be reductive. Um, or, or if you just called this, a, you know, a gay book, um, you know, I, I don't, I have mixed feelings about that. You know, it, it is a gay book and that I'm a gay man and, and I wrote it and it's filled with my, my empathy and, and humor and pop cultural references and, and, and worldview, you know, is, is partly informed by my, my life experience. Um, but, but hopefully it's for so many, it's for such a broader audience than that as well. Yeah. I noticed that too. when I was, you know, seeing press for it is that there were some that were kind of classifying it as a gay book. And I thought like, I mean, you're right. Like there are gay elements to it. Sure. It's about a gay uncle, the gunkle, but it's more than that. It's not just a gay book. It is a book that happens to have a gay character and be written by a gay author, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. There's so many stories to tell. And, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of what what we have classified as as gay books have sort of like a coming out element to it. And sure. this this does this is this is not, you know, and and life has changed so quickly. We forget that. And, and you know, it's in, in when I came out in the early 1990s, I never thought I would see marriage like that, that, that I would be allowed to be married. It was just not something that I envisioned would happen in my lifetime. So we forget like how much has changed and how quickly. And there, there's so many stories to tell um about queer characters that um you know would sort of move beyond um them someone struggling with their with their sexuality which cert certainly patrick does not I, I love that you just mentioned that uh you know like when you came out you never saw marriage as an option and i, and I love that you've been able to experience marriage now uh, a few years back I, I worked with a gentleman 
And he asked me to preside over his wedding with his husband when they made uh, gay marriage legal in Maryland. And I, and mm-hmm. I did that. And they had known mm-hmm. each other since the 80s. So they had been together for decades. And, right. uh, and it was just such an amazing experience to see these two men that have been together for so long. They finally got that opportunity to, quote unquote, make it official. You know what I mean? And, and they just enjoyed that party, enjoyed that day. And it just the, the excitement of everybody there was an amazing place to be. Yeah. What joy. For and, sure. And I'm sure yours was very similar. <laughs> yeah, but just because just because it was legal now, you know, I had to reconcile my own um, feelings about sure. the institution just because it became legal, uh, you know, didn't automatically mean that it was the right choice for me. But it, but at least that we have the opportunity to decide for ourselves. And that's that's what's so great. I love it. Well, Stephen, uh, you're a fantastic author. I have read your other works, so I'm really excited to get into the gunkle here. And I really hope that people pick this book up because if it's anything like your other books that I know people are going to love every second of it and really enjoy it. And this is the perfect time to get it. I feel like people are are turning more to fiction right now, too. I think they're looking for that oh, escape. God, they're yeah. looking for that imagination. <laughs> I know I am. I know I am. I've had enough of the world for the past <laughs> 15 months, say. Uh, yeah, let's let's all escape, um, you know, and I can't wait to be back in a movie theater, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a, a book where it feels like people are talking about it. Um, you know, reading is a, can be a very solitary experience with this, this wonderful community now around reading, particularly, you know, on the social media apps. You know, there, there are online book clubs, there's, there's sort of bookstagram people sharing. Um, what they're reading and connecting online. And and I, I think that's so great because I, I miss that sense of, of community. 100%. Well, Stephen Rowley, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. The Gunkle uh, is available now. Where can people go to find out more information about the book or about you and follow your journey? Yeah, so um, I'm the tour that I'm doing for this book is virtual. All the dates, times, and links to events are on my website, stephenrowley.com. Um, and you can find me at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Stephen Rowley also. Um, so connect with me there. I love, I love chatting with readers. So I love being able to, um, engage and, uh, you know, I, as, as a kid growing up in Maine, I thought, you know, I had, I had writing aspirations, but I thought, you know, maybe you have to grow up in Manhattan or have some society name to have that career open to you. And, and it's, it, you know, and that is not true at all. And so I love, I love connecting with people, particularly, particularly anyone who has writing ambition as well. Um, I'm, I'm here, reach out, say hello anytime. I apologize for saying your last name wrong. As you just said it, I realized I said Rowley, oh, well, not the, Rowley. The rest of the world, yeah. <laughs> the, the rest of the world, too. I, there are plenty of times I've almost given up the fight. And I was like, oh, I'll just change it to what the rest of the world already thinks. It would make my life a lot easier. Uh, but my my dad is insistent uh, that I not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you honoring your father's wishes. Well, Stephen, it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we got a chance to chat. Uh, next time you see our good friend Roswell, uh, give him a big hug for me. I will, for sure. Big thanks to Stephen Rowley for checking in. Always a pleasure to chat with him. Uh, Be sure to pick up his book, Gunkle, at a local bookstore like Greedy Reads, if you're in Baltimore or wherever you get your books. And thank you to all of you for taking some time out of your day to check out the show this week. Please don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, be well.